so I think I want to start this off by making a general survey of the landscape. So there was this thing back, I don't know, in the 80s, 90s, and definitely crescendoed in the early 2000s of what was called by many people the kind of Lacanian left, quote unquote. Um, and I'm wondering if there is such a kind of coherent project today that is, you know, uniting a number of theoretical tendencies within Marxism and Lacanian thought. Obviously, there's all kinds of kind of sub-communities, and even within Lacanian thought, there's a lot of sort of what we might call liberal tendencies, which have a kind of flirtation or a kind of open dialogue with Marxism, but by no means are they committed Marxists. So, and of course, we have to also understand this fracture is owed to real concrete events, the failure of real concrete events from uh, left populism with Syriza to Occupy to Arab Spring um, and Bernie Sanders and Corbyn and so on. So the Laclau move wing of left of the Lacanian left premised on discourse theory and hegemony theory has has dissolved, has dissolved its legitimacy mostly having to do with these concrete events. That would be my argument. So in the wake of that disillusion, um, what what remains, what remains is what remains of what we can speak of coherently of a Lacanian left in today's time. Hey man, uh, don't talk to me about surveying the landscape. I'm just kind of really pissed off that I'm having to leave my house right now. So it, it's, it's a trigger for me to talk about you know, land and real estate, but uh, talking about the real estate of the Lacanian left, uh, it's, it's interesting what you said, in fact, because it was listening to your message again now, I realized that, uh, you know, it's actually, uh, perhaps to tell that story and to see where we are now, we would need to recognize something I never really thought about, but in a certain sense, the Laclauian left, which is, you know, a certain tendency within the Lacanian kind of Marxist school, we can call it post-Marxist, but if we are very vague about it and simply take, you know, militants or political thinkers who took both Lacan and Marx seriously, uh, I guess the Laclauian field fits that bill. And from that perspective, actually, in a first kind of round, right, we know that uh, Zizek and Laclau were much closer during the 90s. There's a lot of interlocution between their projects, and Zizek himself w used to kind of champion the idea of a radical demo democratic field as sort of political translation of some of Lacan's ideas. And, well, they split up at some point, right? Uh, we could make this more precise, perhaps. I think it has to do with Zizek's kind of uh, coming, two things, right? He's, he comes closer to Badiou at some point. So he takes up the idea of communism against the idea of radical democracy as the sort of point of orient, orientation or horizon, on the political horizon. On the other hand, there's also, I think, uh, renewed interests for Marxist political economy and no wonder that their whole debate was around the idea that capital is either a symbolic dimension of social life or a real dimension. And 
Zizek stood on the standpoint of, you know, capitals connected to the real, Laclau capitals connected to the symbolic, whatever. It seemed like theoretically Zizek got the upper hand, uh, at least from my standpoint, it seemed like a more robust way of integrating Lacan and Marx. On the other hand, politically, Laclau was the one who actually won that debate, right? Perhaps he was more attuned to uh, what was being actually discussed and, and the way that things were being approached uh, in leftist parties and movements at the end of the 90s, early uh, 2000s, because we saw real world movements, real world political ideas, kind of developing within that framework, right? A new theory of populism, which implied a strategy, uh, implied a certain reassessment of, you know, the value of the kind of class approach and privileging at least the level of discourse that, you know, we should integrate many different social demands and not really privilege class demands as the central kind of perspective of a theory. Oh shit, there's a huge truck going by. Uh, so, in a certain sense, I think Laclau won at first, right? Which is not something, I mean, it's not really how we debate that. that at some point, the Lacanian political field was more easily identified with uh, Laclau than with Zizek, I think. I mean, personally, I was much more on the Zizek front, but I think that's on the theoretical level, which is not the same thing, right? And it's interesting also that, I mean, if we can associate with Laclau the, you know, Podemos in Spain, Syriza in a certain way, party phenomena, in fact, right? It's funny because Zizek is the one who used to champion the idea that, well, there's a connection between Leninism, party form, and the discourse of the analyst in Lacan. Uh, so he seemed to be the, the, say, the representative of a party politics, right? Uh, but actually the place where he got to intervene politically in emblematic way was in a more autonomist movement like Occupy, right? Uh, where if he didn't seem to, let's say, channel or represent the political approach there, at least he was welcome, uh, heard from a more political stance and so on. And there's a weird mismatch perhaps between his presence there, uh, the, the way that, that Occupy and the financial crisis kind of ignited a new moment in Zizek's thinking uh, the books that he writes from First a Strategy, then as Farce, all the way to Living in the End Times, uh, which are kind of written in this banner of the communist hypotheses and taking, taking up the defense of lost causes and kind of, okay, this, this, this is the time to bring these ideas back, right? Uh, it's, a, it's a second chapter where after, kind of happens in parallel, right, with this new left-wing populism, which also had a place for Lacan. Uh, he goes back to, to, to the communist idea, but in a very theoretical way, there's nothing concrete that he can point to and say, okay, this is the sort of political process that I'm kind of in dialogue with. So in, on the one hand, it was a bit more abstract it had, a, in my opinion, a very important role to play in rehabilitating communism as a sort of acceptable or important signifier in our political discourse. Uh, it united a bunch of, of interesting thinkers around it. Uh, but it's something else, right? And it's interesting because that mismatch, perhaps, between the form that protests and movements and their contradictions were appearing, at least in the global north, uh, 
between 2008 and more recent times, uh, perhaps explains a bit, like that mismatch between this form and Zizek's approach, perhaps explains a bit how slowly Zizek himself might have become a bit kind of orthogonal to the idea of being a Lacanian Marxist because he started more and more trusting Hegel rather than Marx, claiming that Hegel is more Marxist than Marx himself at points, uh, being very distrustful of a certain uh, idealism, ingenuity of anti-state politics, sometimes creating quite a scarecrow of what that means and so on, uh, to the point that I think that today uh, it's arguable, right, how much Marx is part of, of the backbone of his project. And I don't know, in that sense, it's, it's, it's a weird, complicated story, I think. Uh, and I think that a new chapter is kind of happening now because, and, and I take it actually, you know, David Pavon Quellar's book with Ian Parker, the uh, Psychoanalysis and Revolution book, which I think it wasn't kind of a, kind of an undercurrent perhaps during these first two moments, right? Represented by Zizek and Laclau, uh, broadly speaking. Uh, it was an undercurrent there, but today I think it, it comes with a new proposition, which is not so much how are we gonna bring Lacan and Marx together in the sense of can Lacan inter reinterpret Marx? Can Lacan kind of stitch together the faults in Marx? And more the inverse, where Marx is the larger kind of field, names the larger field, and psychoanalysis appears as a region of Marxism, in fact, right? As if psychoanalysis is uh, a particular case of a larger Marxist kind of approach to social life. And I don't think that's really either the Zizekian approach nor the Laclauian approach. It has a bit more of an intrinsic militant feel, in my opinion. Uh, it, it's more connected in many senses to the global south as well. Uh, less, less directly attuned to European or American politics. Uh, but it, I don't know, it, I think it's also part of that story, you know, and, and we don't know exactly where this new, uh, kind of newish uh, proposition will take us. So uh, that's kind of how I see perhaps the big kind of, um, kind of strands of this, this story. Uh, now, taking this into consideration, I wonder if it's apt to say something like, is there a Lacanian left? Like, should we conclude positively? Uh, and I think that question perhaps could be divided into two, right? Is there meaningful leftist theory being produced true or with Lacanian concepts? And I would say yes, in the sense that a lot of the humanities, in one way or another, deal with Lacan. There are political analyses that, you know, rely on psychoanalysis. It's kind of part of the toolkit of Marxist or more broadly political analysis today. Now, is there relevant concrete politics being done that requires or uses or benefits from psychoanalytic insights that's a different question and i don't think it's due to the lack of lacanian marxists or or you know thinkers interested in that kind of connection 
there, there are a few, but I think that it touches on a problem that's more intrinsic to psychoanalysis itself, namely that it offers itself to be appropriated by politics under certain specific conditions. And in that sense, I think it's, that's why I, I added the, this, this third strand where Marxism is taken to be, you know, the bigger field within which Lacanian psychoanalysis sits. Because I think until this field became a bit more prominent, the question of, okay, but is psychoanalysis formulated in terms that, you know, are coherent with Marxist premises? That, that field was not really, let's say, contemporary to us. It happened many times from the Frankfurt School, Soviet philosophy and psychology were, were interested in this question, but like this more contemporary sequence of ours hasn't really posed the question in those terms until recently. And most of the connections between psychoanalysis and Marxism until now, starting from the sort of post-Cold War kind of period, I think have taken for granted or have benefited a bit too much perhaps from the fact that Lacan seemed to prepare the ground for this, seemed to already pave the way to how to connect things. He already had statements about politics that we could follow. He had uh, connections to Marx made explicit in his thinking in original ways. So we kind of absorbed into politics a kind of pre-processed psychoanalysis. And we didn't get to choose what aspect of psychoanalysis is the politically meaningful one. It was kind of pre-prepared, you know, in part because psychoanalysis Lacanian psychoanalysis at least, wanted to kind of sell the picture that it's kind of up to the task. It has something meaningful to say about political life. I mean, the, the sort of statements I have in mind are things like Lacan claiming that, uh, you know, the theory of discourses can explain something about the logic of capitalism or the connection between surplus enjoyment and surplus value or saying that, well, politics kind of always has this horizon of harmony as it's sort of background fantasy or something. There are statements about political life, right? And I think that perhaps this new moment, which I think puts into question, let's say, if there is something like a real Lacanian left, it's also the moment where we can start questioning, okay, but there's definitely real politics happening. From the standpoint of actual political practice, what aspects of psychoanalysis are really the ones that could benefit political practice? Are those really the, the aspects that we've been discussing for the last couple of decades? Is it really the concept of fantasy, the theory of the subject? Are those the things that uh, we can use, you know, that, that have a correlate in actual political militant practice? And sometimes I question that a bit, and I think that it could be actually beneficial to psychoanalysis itself to turn that kind of perspective around and allow psychoanalysis to be seen from a Marxist perspective, both in terms of, you know, Marxism has a, a long history of concerning itself with collective organization. How does psychoanalysis look from the standpoint of that question? Marxism has a long history of thinking about symbolic forms in their connection with real substrates, like, you know, the theory of the money form. How does psychoanalysis look from that perspective? And I think that it actually produces a new kind of vision of psychoanalysis that is interesting not only because it helps us kind of bring it back in a new kind of way into politics, but because it also delivers to psychoanalysts themselves, and I include myself in this group, uh, a new vision of 
analytic practice as well, perhaps a more down-to-earth vision that doesn't leave out certain aspects of it as if, you know, there's nothing kind of troubling or challenging in the theory and the practice of psychoanalysis today. I totally think it's helpful to think about the Lacanian left as a kind of iterative project that collapsed with this wave of populist uprisings, Syriza, you know, Bernie Sanders, Corbyn. I think it's helpful to sort of periodize it that way because it kind of, if you like, not to be cute, but it kind of links theory and practice. And so now we're facing a new conjecture where that old kind of Laclauian model of theory is shown to have a lot of sort of weak points. I mean, if we if we kind of go back to the uh, the three-way debate between Butler, Laclau, and Zizek in their uh, Contingency Hegemony Universality book, it, it's, a, it's a helpful intervention. I mean, I think in a way, Zizek is critiquing them for being historicist. He's critiquing them for, he's critiquing Laclau, as, as I remember, for basically this notion that well, you have populist struggle that results in an empty signifier, which is based on the notion that radical democracy produces this kind of empty uh, receptacle point, right? Whereby common struggles, anti-racism, ecology, class, whatever, uh, can kind of have a kind of zero point uh, coherence. And he thinks that that's a bad reading of Lacan because for him, the real is this kind of interior uh, disruptive force to the symbolic, right? So he wants to talk about how actually a critique of fantasy is more uh, central. And then he develops his notion of the act from there. Now it's interesting to juxtapose Zizek's critique with Badiou's position at the time, because at the time Badiou's whole we could say critique of Laclauian left th thought was actually that this really was em emphasizing democracy. It was really emphasizing kind of popular struggle at the side of democracy when in fact capital in our current conjecture, uh, like it's, it's not, it's not actually performing a proper ne negation on democracy. So I want to see your thoughts on that because as I see it, what I think the debate conceals is two versions of a vision of communism or socialism, if you like. One is statist and the other is anti-statist. And again, I would quote Karatani, who says in Structure of World History, I think quite succinctly, that, there, that Marxism is premised on an anti-statist conception of socialism and any statist conception actually doesn't really uh, elevate to the proper definition of what socialism is in his in Marx's view. Uh, so any any form of socialism uh, must remain steadfast anti-statist. In a way, if you like, it's a very anti-Hegelian position that Karatani puts down. And I think, obviously, Zizek's politics are erratic. They're kind of all over the place, right? <laughs> we could talk about that. Whereas for Badiou, he really seems pretty steadfast in an anti-statist position. So I wonder if you think that distinction is helpful. <laughs> 